The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is a prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Good morning again, everybody. This week in, um, in the church, capital C Church calendar, is um, what is known as the Passion Week. And it's, it's the week that um, we commemorate the suffering of Jesus and um, the crucifixion, the, the, the death, and eventually the resurrection of Jesus. The Jews um, call this season um, the Passover. The Passover. And Jesus is the Passover. Over lamb. So whether you want to uh, tilt towards the Jewish kind of thing, um, and you are celebrating Passover, or you, the Orthodox uh, kind of Christian thing, or you are celebrating Easter, it, it, it really doesn't matter. The key thing is this: we are celebrating the, 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 the suffering, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, and that's that's the important thing. Now. Um, the night before Jesus died, he made a very strange statement that the people there, I mean, his disciples, would have been wondering, what is this saying? In John 14, John chapter 14, verse 19, the word of God says that Jesus, speaking to his, his disciples, said, in a little while, the world will no longer see me. But you are going to see me because I am alive. You are about to come alive. I mean, what a strange thing to say to people that were not dead. Just like talking to someone that is not sleeping. You are going to wake up. I mean, and they're like, this guy has started again. He's entered this is depressed food. <laughs> He's going through a season where he needs to put himself together. I don't know what is going on in his mind. If I were his disciples, I would, one of the disciples, I would just be wondering, what is he saying? A little while, you, the world will see me, then now they will see me. But you, you are about to come alive. And for us here, I believe because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we are in a season where his resurrection is being celebrated that you are about to come alive. Praise the name of the Lord. Easter, that's what it's all about. Easter is all about coming alive. Everything in you that is losing strength, that is dying and, and ought to be alive, we come alive again in the name of Jesus. Everything that is dead already will come alive in the mighty name of Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 5.15, talking about Jesus' resurrection, death and resurrection, it says, he included everyone in his death. So everyone, that is those who receive him, everyone could be included in his life, a far better life than people ever lived before. So, so God is saying that 
Jesus has come to give you and I a far better life than anything you are seeing or you have experienced. So when we look at ourselves, we want the good life. But God is saying, Jesus has come to give you a better life. Only Jesus promises a better life. It is only Jesus that says, I will give you a better life. I know we all want a good life. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. And a good, the good life means different things to different people. For some people, the good life is to, is to blow. <laughs> I learned that at the ATM service. Did I get that right? Is to blow. So in, 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 um, in, in another words, is to make it. That is the more traditional um, way of saying it. Is to, in, in Nigeria, that is, is to make it. What is it to make it? To make it means different things to different people. For some people, to make it is to, um, is to armor. <laughs> you know, well, to make it, for some people, is to stop paying rent and have your own house. Oh, you have made it. Some people feel to make it is to pay school fees. I don't have school fees problems. For some people, to make it in their mind means to be slay queen. When, you, when I enter the party, oh. <laughs> and the list goes on and on and on and on. But you see, but God is saying, I want you to have a better life. And in the process of having the good life, we get exhausted. We get exhausted. So while chasing the good life, we experience exhaustion. We experience exhaustion. I don't know where, where my pen is, but we experience exhaustion. We are tired. It is draining. And while chasing the good life, the exhaustion leads to emptiness. Hope you can see my handwriting. <laughs> like scratches, you know. Chicken scratches. We feel empty. And because of the emptiness, we actually feel enslaved. So we feel trapped. We feel boxed in. And, and sometimes we are in a marriage, we can't go anywhere and we feel trapped we feel exhausted empty enslaved chasing the good life sometimes you are in you are in school 
<laughs> you feel enslaved in school. You, you can't go anywhere. Sometimes it's a relationship. You feel ex- enslaved. And sometimes it's, it's our jobs. We feel enslaved. We feel trapped. And that is what happens when we chase the good life. The good life drains us. The, 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 the quest for the good life empties us. The, the, the quest for the good life makes us feel that we are enslaved. And what God is saying to you today is that there is a better life. There is a better life in God. Praise the name of the Lord. And these things that the good life, not that it's bad. There's a reason they call it the good life. It's, it's, it's I mean, having a job, there's nothing wrong with it. Being married, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, um, being in school, there's nothing wrong with it. So, there are good things in themselves. But God is saying, there is a better life. There is a better life. You know, um, when I was a little boy, when I was a baby, back in the day, I remember... I was about three months old. In those days, <laughs> in those days when I was when I was about three months old, I remember that the good life was milk, and all I needed to do was to say, Wah! and they would shut my mouth with milk. That was the good life. Then, then. Something happened to me. I, I grew. Then I discovered something. I'm going to show you on the screen. I discovered. <laughs> jollof rice. <laughs> I discovered jollof rice with supple dodo and pepper chicken. And that was a better life. Praise the Lord. The best milk can do right now is to wash it down. Is to wash down. And so, so there's nothing wrong with milk. There's nothing wrong with the good life. There are what you call jara extra. God says when you get the better life, the good life becomes extra. Praise the name of the Lord. And that is what God wants for you. And it's only Jesus that can give you jollof rice, I'm saying, the good life in this world. It's only Jesus. So, what is this better life that Jesus offers? You could, you could, um, thank you, you could say, what is, the, what is this better life that Jesus offers? Yes, only Jesus can offer you better life. So, what's this better life that Jesus offers? Three things. What's the better life that Jesus offers? So if you ask yourself, what's this better life? What better life does Jesus offer? The first is this. It's a life filled with meaning. The the better life Jesus is offering, through his death, his burial, his his resurrection, is a better life. It's a life that is filled with what? 
that is filled with meaning. A life that is filled with meaning. Unfortunately, you know, we are running elter-skelter, trying to fill our lives, but no meaning. Jesus is saying, I want to give you a life that is filled with meaning. Someone once said that the tragedy of, of, of life, the greatest tragedy in life is not death. That the greatest tragedy in life is what? Is living without a meaning. So the good life is not enough. Looking good is not enough. Having all the things, you know, you can have the biggest house in your neighborhood you, that has the f- biggest car, that has the biggest furniture, that has a floating bed, that has... But if the life does not have meaning, it's useless. And it's only Jesus. Colossians 3. It is only Jesus. Colossians 3, 4a. It is Christ alone gives meaning to your life. It is only Jesus that can give meaning. So the challenge is we, we confuse a, a full life to a meaningful life. A life can be full without being meaningful. Your schedule can be packed full without producing meaning in your life. You can fill your, your, your house with stuff and, and still remain empty. You can have a full bank account. Guess what? But the life can still be meaningless. So we shouldn't confuse a full life with a meaningful life. Full is not fulfilled. Something can be full without being fulfilled. You know, we, we try to fill our lives, some people with sports, some people will try to fill it with, with TV, watching TV, some people will try to fill our lives with social media, we try to fill our lives with different things, with partying, but guess what? We may have a full life and still feel empty. We may have a full life that is not meaningful. Sometimes we try to fill our lives with sex. You know, we had two, peop- two of our um, people got married, two couples got married yesterday. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> I'm excited about it, you know. But what I, what I teach the... Um, Young people, well, people that want to get married, you know. What I say to them when, I, when we are doing one of our uh, premarital counseling sessions is sexual intensity is not the same as sexual intimacy. You can have intensity and still not have intimacy. So you can be filled with activity. But yet, there's no connection. There's no intimacy. And what God wants is for our lives to be fulfilled, filled 
with his life. Filled with fulfillment. Filled with contentment. But many times, we miss it because we want to fill it with stuff. We want to fill it with different things. Until we realize that it is only in Christ that our lives have meaning. We continue to waste our time trying to fill it with other stuff. First Peter, First Peter chapter 1, verse 34 it says, because Jesus was raised from the dead, we have been given a brand new life. And we have everything to live for. How many things do we have to live for? <laughs> we have everything to live for. The reason people are confused today is they have nothing to live for. But because Jesus was raised from the dead... We have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And guess what? The future starts when? Now, not when you die. This future, the Bible says, it starts now. We have everything to live for. There's a difference between having something to live on and having something to live for. Many times when we fill our lives with things, we have something to live on. We fill our lives with good things. Not that they are evil, but and we, we make them something to live on. And the life becomes empty. Becomes empty. So until you understand you were made for God and by God, life is not going to make sense. It's not going to make sense. If you build your life on the good things that God has blessed you with and you are living on it and you don't realize what you are living for, or you make what you are supposed to be living on, what you are living for, it leads to frustration. It leads to frustration. President of the Lord. <laughs> so, Pastor, what are you saying? What I'm saying is this. What you live on can give you the good life. But it is what you live for that gives you the better life. The better life that Jesus had for you. But unfortunately, we try to live for the things we are supposed to be living on. Or when we actually live on the things we are supposed to be living on, we don't live for the things we actually are supposed to be living for. And that's why, you know, people take their lives because they feel there's no meaning. There's a, a very popular um, guy that works for one of the world news media. Smart guy. Intelli- I mean, you, he travels everywhere. 
I'm sorry, you know who I'm talking about. All of a sudden, he committed suicide. And people were like, what was the problem? What was missing? Listen, what was missing is this. He had a lot to live on, but he had nothing to live for. Nothing to live for. But God says, if you are in Christ Jesus, you have everything to live for. So you need to start living for the things you need to live for. Don't make the things you need to live on the things you are living for. (laughs) Don't make your car what you are living for. And Okada man will teach you a lesson. Praise the name of God. Which is why when some people are hit by an Okada man, you know, it's as if their whole life has come to an end. It's just a car. The purpose of this car is it's just a car. It's just a car. Praise the Lord. When we live for the things we should live on and don't live for the things we should live for, we are setting ourselves up for destruction or for for confusion at at the least. If you live for the job that you are on, you are living for what you should be living on so that you can live for the things you should live for. If you live on your job and live for your job, The only thing it guarantees is frustration. What happens if a smarter person comes on board? And all of a sudden, you used to be the star, but it shifted to this lady. What happens? Then you begin to beef her. Then you begin to envy her. Then you are frustrated. What happens if the promotion delays? If you are living for your job. What happens? Children are fantastic. But you see, when you live for your children, you are setting yourself up. (laughs) For confusion. At the least. At the least. They are great. But we live for Christ. I mean, there was a woman in the Bible. There was a woman in the Bible that you know. Um, okay, that one was just using children. Also, it's good to be. And you know, I'm going to say this. Then I'm going to tell you about a story. It's, it's good to 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 be married and to have a great wife or husband, as the case may be. But if you live for your spouse, you are living for confusion. Something is wrong with marriage or with your spouse, but they are not to be lived for. Praise the name of the Lord. There's a woman in the Bible. Ah, what's her name? Oh, Leah. <laughs> I did forget. I was just trying to make you contribute. <laughs> Leah. <laughs> Wanted her husband's affection. She gave birth to her first, firstborn, and his name was Reuben. And she says, Reuben means, Behold, the son, now he will love me. 
and uh, the husband collected the son. I still disdain her. Look, listen. You can't live for, the only person to live for is who? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. She gave birth to the second one. This is another boy. And she called his name. Come on. Simeon. Says, surely, now, you will love me. For where? Then she, she, she struggled again. Got another child. Boom. Number three was Levi. Ah, you must cry for yourselves. Come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> Levi. She says, as, as truly as it is, now I will be celebrated. She was living for the affection of a mere mortal. It's a terrible thing to live for the affection of a mere mortal. Terrible thing. Guess what she got? Scorn. Then she, she gave birth to the fourth one. Boom. And they call his name Judah. I say, finally, I will praise the Lord. <laughs> I will praise the Lord. They, look, listen. And the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the lawgiver from within her. Because it is from Judah that Jesus came. You, your, the, the Messiah, the freedom, the fulfillment comes from when you turn your affection to God and live for God alone. Praise the name of the Lord. Absolutely. So the, the problem is that we, we, we live for what we should live on. And we try to live on what we should live for. So this life or better life that Jesus offers is a life that is filled with meaning. Number two, it's, it's a life not only filled with meaning, it's a life that is freed by grace. It's a life that is freed by grace. This life is freed by grace. Free by grace. What is grace? What is grace? I'm not talking about grace your cousin. <laughs> what is grace? Grace is my uncle, my sister. No, no, not that one. She is grace, yes, I know. But what, what, what is grace? I like to, I mean, use like an equation for grace. And say, simple addition, that grace is <laughs> favor plus mercy. So when you have favor plus mercy equals grace. So 
the life freed by grace means a life freed by favor and and mercy. A life freed, set free by favor and mercy. A life that is not entrapped. Otherwise, it's good to have backup. A life that is freed with favor and mercy. Favor simply is getting what you don't deserve. Favor is when you get something you don't deserve. Favor is, is, not, is, not, is not always fair. It's not even fair at all. Because if it's fair, it's not favor, right? So favor is getting what you don't deserve. What is mercy? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is favor plus mercy. When favor comes and collides with mercy, you you have grace. And I pray that the grace of God will set you free. In the mighty name of Jesus. You have grace. You have grace. Because some of us, we actually deserved to be slapped. We actually deserve to be slapped. But mercy said, no. No. We won't give her what she deserves. We, we deserved a big knock, but mercy said what? No. Some of us, we don't deserve the promotion, but favor says what? Yes. Yes. We're going to promote him. He doesn't deserve it. We're going to promote him anyway. He doesn't deserve it, but we're going to promote him. You know, the way grace works is that I'm trying to explain it in English. What my grandmother used to say, you know what that means? How do you explain that in English? You, you give the lazy victory the glory to the lazy. So, so they say, oh, um, um, Femi does not even know how to toast a lady, but God gave him the most beautiful wife. Do you understand? That's how, that's how, I mean, oh, he's not even the smartest, but guess what? Your business is doing the best. That's what it means. That's what it means. You don't have, oh, she doesn't have all the qualifications, but she's the one that is getting the promotions. And God wants to fill our lives and to set our lives free with grace, which is favor and mercy. You see, by the time you sum up all the religions of the world, There's only one word to sum up everything that religion teaches. Only one word. And that word is do. Do. You have to do this. You have to do this. You have to do this before you can be acceptable to God. You have to do this. You have to pray at this time. Pray um, X number of times a day. Then um, 
God will smile on you. Another religion comes and says, oh yes, but in addition to doing that, you have to also do this. So, every religion is summed up with one word, do. Do and do. And guess what? Jesus came, changed the game. Being a Christian is not a religion. Being a Christian is summed up in one word. And that word is done. It is finished. And that's what happened on the cross. Done. So, so when it comes to being accepted in the beloved, done. When it comes to being forgiven, done. When it comes to being favored, when it comes to being shown mercy, done. You are either operating from do or you are operating from done. If you are operating from do, you have a sense that I need to strive to attain this before heaven can. <laughs> okay? It is finished. Done. What we are doing is because we have been empowered because it is done. Praise the name of the Lord. I'm able to pray. By the grace of God, I'm able to pray for long hours because it is done. I have access into the holiest. I'm able to pray and stay with God for hours. I don't try to pray for hours so that God can smile on me. No. If, if that is the, the do's, but the don'ts, it is done. You know, I gave an example at the ADM service of, of a, a friend of mine. We, um, we were in church together. I wasn't the pastor. <laughs> service was going on. The power of God hit. Some, lady, some guy um, began to manifest, you know, demon-speaking phone. Have you heard it before? Queen English. Was heavy accent. I was like, yeah. So the pastor beckoned on three of us. The head of prayer at the time, who was a woman, and it's not the woman you know that was head of prayer. Another one that you have met, never met. <laughs> you know, my friend and I to attend to to her. So they took her out of church to the prayer room. I was the last to get there, and apparently. The lady and my friend, they were by the door. The demon-possessed guy had said to the head of prayer, you are a witch. If you come here, I will tear you apart. So she stayed by the door. He looked at my friend. I said, you, you did not pray yesterday night. If you come here, so my friend stayed at the door. So, I entered the room. I told the demon-possessed guy, I said, look at me. He looked down. Eyeball to eyeball. He couldn't look at me. I said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I draw a bloodline now. You are unable to cross this line. And I went back into service. Because, how can I miss the word because of one... Uh, 
demon. It's, that's disrespect. So, so I came back. I sat down. Well, pastor, we don't see me. Finish the service. Then we now went back into the room. And my friend said to me that at the end, when we, I mean, God had sorted out the, the guy, I mean, and he was, he was set free by the power of Christ. So my friend said to me, he's, he's pastoring the church in Finland today, he said to me, ah, oh boy, that's a line where you draw. Show me now. <laughs> so that, so that, so that me too, I go, you know, draw the thing, you know. I said to him that, listen, that the guy said to you, you didn't pray yesterday night. I, w- I couldn't even remember if I prayed the previous night because it didn't matter. I said, why didn't he say to me I didn't pray yesterday night? If he did, I would say, it is not on the authority of my dues, my prayers. It is in the authority on the finished work of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. It is done. Therefore, God has given him a name that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. So, in the name of Jesus, you can't cross. Shikina. Look, the spirit world, they understand authority. Just stay there. In fact, he was telling me that while I was out, out of the room, that the demon-possessed guy would charge at them and get to the line and stop and stop. You put there now. It's Jesus. So what am I saying? If you try to live your life on dues, it won't work. It's not going to work. It won't work. Kole work. Kole work. Kole work. Hebrews told us that. Hebrews 7. Hebrews 7 says that the old system was what? Cancelled because kole work. Kole work. It didn't work. It was weak and useless for saving people. It never made anyone really right with God. He says, but now. We have a far better hope. For Christ makes us what? Acceptable. You are acceptable to God. It's huge. It makes, Christ makes us acceptable. Romans 3, verse 23 to 24 says, For everyone has sinned. How many people? Everyone. By the way, I didn't come to think of it. I didn't ask that prayer leader if she was a witch. I never, never got around to do that. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, but the devil is a liar. He will just be messing with our brain. I don't know. For everyone has sinned. We all. How many of us? 
We all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in his grace as freely, as freely, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of sin. We have been freed by grace. You have been freed. So, so what should you do? What should I do with my dues? Since it is done, what should I do with my dues? Since it's already done. Romans 8 tells us to bury it. Bury it. Romans 8. No. 13. Yep. Says, the best thing to do is to give it what? A decent burial and get on with your new life. Just give it a give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. You see, many times we try to we fall back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. God says, give it a decent burial. We start with we we start with done done. We we shift back to do's. God says, who has bewitched you? You started in in faith. You are going back to to do's. Like Leah, you have given back to praise. Now, why do you want... Just give it a perfect burial. Why was it a perfect burial? <laughs> a decent. Bible says, give it a decent burial. Bury it, let it go, let it die. And that's why we do baptism. You know what? That baptism just simply means buried. Old life, Buried. Buried. So we see that the better life that Jesus offers is a life filled with meaning. It's a life freed by grace. And number three, it's a life full of energy. It's a life full of energy. Have you noticed when you are low on energy, you are cranky. Little things, you overreact. You are low on patience, you overreact. But God is saying to you today, Jeremiah 31, God is saying to you today, Jeremiah 31, 25, that those who feel tired and worn out will find new life and energy in the name of Jesus. Stop running on your own battery. You will find new life and energy. Thank God for the testimony of, of, of the man that, you know, today, he was saying to me that my wife can testify. You know the testimony I'm talking about? <laughs> you know, he found new life and what? Energy. Zechariah 4, 6 says, you will not succeed on your own strength or power. Stop 
trying to do this thing by your strength. It says, but by my spirit, says the Lord, all powerful, by my spirit. Romans 8, 11. Now you can have that. He says, once the spirit lives within you, it will bring to your whole being new strength and what? And vitality. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, this season, God's Holy Spirit will bring to you, within you, new strength and vitality in the mighty name of Jesus. This season, we're going to have Triple communion. Communion is powerful. It reenacts the covenant of life and vitality. We're going to have triple communion. On Friday, we're going to have communion. On Saturday, we're going to have communion. On Sunday, we're going to have communion. Friday, it's... um, one hour communion service, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Just one hour. Saturday, also, one hour, 6 to 7, communion service. And Sunday, communion service. Everything that is dying in you, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, will come back to life. That ought to be living will come back to life in the mighty name of Jesus. Everything. That is dead in you. That should be alive. Will resurrect. In the mighty name of Jesus. So so the choice is yours. Are you going to keep chasing the good life? Or are you going to embrace the better life? Are you going to keep chasing the good life? (laughs) Or are you going to embrace... The better life. Second Corinthians 4, 16. You know, because even if though you, am, you have the better life, it is Christ in you that makes a difference. It's not an insulation from, from trouble. But even though our outward man perish, looks like things are falling apart on us, not a day goes by without your unfolding grace, without his unfolding grace. When you surrender it to God, it fills it with his life. So, you, you may be here and you're thinking of giving up. Don't give up. Instead, look up. Look up to God. Look up to God. And God will fill you with his better life. If you want to give in, yes, I would say you should give in. But give in to Christ. Surrender, give in, give in to Christ. When we choose to live for Christ, Christ's life, Christ's wealth becomes ours. It's a miracle. You know, there's a story, true life story. 
it, 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 it looks like a, a, a fable when I heard it, but you can Google it. A man in San Francisco, I don't remember his name. If you're interested in Googling it, I can, you can see me after I will give you his name. It was what you call a bomb. It, 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 you know, a homeless guy. And he was going from place to place, you know, picking scraps, you know. And there's this couple who were Christians that decided to take care of this guy. So every time he comes around, they give him something to eat for free. They run a shop, uh, a grocery store, and he goes. And every time he comes, they give him something to eat, and he goes. And of, of unfortunately, their store was robbed. And when their store was robbed, the police came, and, and they said, based on this video footage, the person that robbed this store must be this bomb. <laughs> because they check all the visitors that came. And the couple says, no, he's our friend. He won't rob us. And because of his dignity, the couple called him afterwards and gave him a special pack of groceries and stuff. I said to him, you're our friend, you know. You can go. Then the police, obviously, doing their job, found this man with his groceries and took him. We told you he was the one that robbed. <laughs> Brought him to the couple and said, we have found him. And we have found the goods. And the couple looked at the man and for his dignity said, oh, mister, they called his name, and said, we forgot to give you change when you bought this thing. And they gave him $38.67 or something. Just to show that he bought it. And he was, they forgot to give him. And they gave him the money. And the police looked at themselves. And the man, the man left. And months after, the man was found, was found dead. And in his bag, you know, they always carry bags. <laughs> he had the notes written. Everything in this bag belongs to put the names of the couple, CJ and something. True life story. So the couple got the bag, went through the contents, saw the usual things you will see in the trams bag. And saw seeds for beds. And they saw a Bible. So they took the Bible. That seems to be the only thing that is of worth. And they appeared to be a bookmark. And they opened the Bible, and the bookmark was a savings account entry, uh, booklet, rather. Obviously, that had the entry. And the last entry was the $38.67 that brought the total of that savings account to over $3 million. And he put it in a place that is Matthew 25. And he had underlined verse 35. 
When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. True life story. Obviously, that, that changed the lives of the couple. So, the guy obviously had a uh, terminal disease and decided to leave everything he had and just be on the streets with normal people and wield everything he had to this couple. Maybe he had a mental illness, I don't know, whatever. But you see, what happened there is a classic example of what happened at the cross. When Jesus was at the cross, naked, wretched, hanging there, at that cross was the owner of the heavens and the earth. And the people around him had no clue. The people that nailed him, he made them. The nails they used, he created it. The wood they put him on, he was the maker of the wood. But he's saying, as many as received him, everyone that received me can have everything in my bag. The better life. Can have my wealth. And this is just, this, I'm not talking about money. Money is just a byproduct of it. It's a byproduct. Can have a meaningful life. Can have a life that is freed by grace. Everyone can have a life that is filled with energy. Let's burn our hearts as we burn our heads. The question is this. Who can give you a better life? Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Talk, talk to God about what you have heard. Talk to God about what you have heard. If you are here, you are like, Pastor, pray with me. I want to accept Jesus. I want to surrender my life. I'm tired of a meaningless life. I have never given my life to Jesus before. I want to give my life to him today. Oh, you are saying, I used to be with Jesus, but <laughs> I'm not with him anymore. I want to have a meaningful life. Pastor, pray with me. Should I come forward? No, you don't need to come forward. I'll pray with you wherever you are seated. Can you pray with me? Yes. Put up your hand now, wherever you are seated. I'll pray together over your head. Quickly, if I put up your hand, put up your hand. Well, God bless you, sir. God bless you, my, my brother. Over there. God bless you, my sister. Over there. God bless you. Another hand over there, my brother. God bless you. Right there. I can see your hand. Keep the hands up. God bless you. That is me. Another hand over there. Another hand here in front. God bless you, sir. That is me. Keep the, keep the hands up and, and take a card. The rest of us, God bless you. Another hand there. Another hand there. I, I, I put on your hand. Once you have the card, that's all I require of you. Please put on your hand and cry to him and say to him, I embrace you. I accept you today. The rest of us, let's talk to God. Anybody else? Pastor, pray with me. Put up that hand over your head. If you are online, the instructions are scrolling. Put it up over your head and we'll pray together in a bit. There, there are people here, you are like Leah. You are in the covenant but you are trying to earn fulfillment. You are trying to earn a life of meaning. 
Why don't you stop doing and accept what is done for you? Why don't you talk to God and say, Lord, today I lay down. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm empty, Lord. I feel entrapped. I lay down. Talk to him. Just you and him. He hears you. For those that have the card, talk to God. Pastor, can I still raise my hand? Yes, you can. Put up that hand over your head. Quickly, and we'll pray together. Again, once you have the card, you can put it on your hand, and we'll pray together. That is me. Put it up. Shoot it up over your head. Oh, Father, we thank you. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow because he lives is God because I know oh, oh he is my future my life is what I live it just everything to live for. Not only in, that, in eternity, but beginning from here right now. We pray for everyone that is surrounding to you, my Father. We ask that you breathe upon these ones, Lord. Change these lives totally. And let your name and your name alone be glorified. For every one of us here that is struggling, Lord, today we realign and we refocus our lives on you. And we say our lives are worth a living because you live. Honor and glory we give unto you. 
Honor and glory we give out to you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. Amen. Let's put our hands together for the Lord Jesus.